0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. This is David Mirkatani. Today I'm joined by the head coach of Iowa State University, Kevin Dresser. Coach, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, David, thank you.
0: I know you're pressed for time, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, we had talked a little bit last year, but kind of in hindsight now, tell me a little bit about the transition from Virginia Tech to Iowa State, how you look at it.
1: Well, it was, it was, it was a transition from starting – basically over uh, in 2006-2007 and building and building and building and then getting an opportunity to come to you know such a storied program and and really kind of a chance to come back home uh, being a northwest Iowa kid growing up and starting over uh, because obviously um, Iowa State was was in a place that they didn't want to be and uh, at that time uh, Jamie Pollard felt like Myself and then the staff that I hired uh, were the answer, and so we're we're trying to be the answer right now.
0: Right, right. So I think one of the sort of buzzwords in in the coaching fraternity or in sports is culture. You know, people talk all the time about creating the right culture, needing to change the culture, etc. And you know, when it gets down to it, all the all coaches really want the same kind of guys: great wrestlers, high character, hard workers, good students. So what have you and your coaching staff done specifically to create the culture you're striving for, specifically when all of these guys are not your recruits?
1: I think uh, culture is uh, probably harder to change now than it was maybe 30, 25, 30 years ago. I think just the way kids are raised and, you know, you hear a lot of talk about millennials and and um, it, it really isn't their fault. Times have just changed, and kids are um, kids. I don't want to say have to be sold, but they're they're probably a lot more skeptical uh, than we were when we were that age. Because if, if you know, it kind of didn't matter who the coach was. If the coach came in and said, "Okay, we're going to run, get up and run at 6:30 in the morning, and then you're going to come and you're going to do this many push-ups and this many," mm-hmm. you just didn't question it. You just did it. That's right, And uh, yeah. and that's not the culture and, and that's not picking on our, our kids. It's just the way things have evolved. And so it's a much more of a courting process to get the culture change. You just can't come in and demand culture change. It's just a process. And, and you find out, you find like-minded people and you feed them a little bit of, of what you believe in every now and then and you reinforce it and you, you feed them a little more and you reinforce it and, some of them spit it back at you and, and spit it back at you forever. And then some of them start taking a little bit of it in and uh, you find out who's on your side, uh, not right away. Like you would like to think as a coach, you find out who's on your side kind of over, over a period of time. Now you want that time to be shorter than longer, but um, you know, I think that's where we are now is that we're most of, most of what we've got in the room right now is, is uh taking taking it in and not spinning it back at us and uh, that's good and that's good so uh, we're excited to with the group of guys we've got in the room and I think that for the most part wrestling's a really hard sport that they're coming in excited to go and when you're excited to go uh, you really can see big gains and improvements
0: yeah for sure you know one of the things I coach with my dad for a long time but he had been there forever, so I've never really been on the end where, you know, you take over. So, you know, obviously when you arrived, one of the, you had to meet with the current team members and meet with the recruits, and I would imagine those were two different types of conversations. I know you said publicly that, you know, the recruits that wanted to leave, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't prohibit them from doing that. You would give them their releases, et cetera, and obviously the transfer rules now are much more liberal. But, you know, what did you say to those guys? and? You know, how were how you and your staff received?
1: Well, obviously, we had some guys that, um, you know, I had a chance to talk to just about everybody that had signed. Uh, had a chance to talk to all of them, and a couple of them, you know, left. I mean, we had a kid from Minnesota leave. We had a kid from Pennsylvania leave, and I think we had a kid from Maryland leave. But then, you know, we had Austin Gomez that stayed around. Um, uh, we had uh, Marcus Coleman that stayed around, guys that signed, some blue-chip guys. And so... You know, I didn't want to come in the door just saying, you know what, we're not releasing you, you got to give us a chance, give us a year. I wanted it to be, you know, like you're going to give us a chance, come in the door, and obviously those guys did, and I think they're very happy with their choice. I mean, uh, you know, Austin Gomez is a team guy completely. I think he proved that just recently, that he's all about the team, and, um, and that's what we need. You know, wrestling's an individual sport, but if you don't have a team mentality – Um, I don't think you can be your best as an individual. I think you have to have a certain air of non-selfishness. And so uh, we just didn't want to, you know, make anybody come to Iowa State. We wanted them to believe in what we were doing and to give us a chance. I think that's more than anything. I think that's what we saw out of the guys that came in that stuck to their guns is they gave us a chance, and and I think they really like now what they see. And so, again, that wasn't a, like, hey, I'm the greatest coach in the world speech and, (laughs) you, you, you know, they came in, uh, giving us a chance and over time we earned uh, their trust and they earned our trust.
0: For sure. So, I mean, was your pitch really to them? Like, Hey, will you, you know, give us a chance, you know, here's how we see the program going. This is what our vision is. Was that really how you spoke to those guys about that?
1: More so, you know, you can really be a part of something spe- special and, and, and you know really sell sell the tradition uh to everybody else that comes and looks at iowa state i mean look at the guys i mean think about the guys that have wrestled here Cale sanderson dan gable nate carr jake barner right i could go on and on and on yeah um so you got a chance to put yourself in that company and the fan base will respond and uh you know it's just a really fun place to wrestle it's just you can't go anywhere without people talking about iowa state wrestling and especially now there's some excitement and uh and they feel that, and they sense that, and they know and they go around. And You know, we do a lot of social events as a program and as a staff, and so we're around the fans a lot. Um, and, and so our guys get to see that, and they get to be a part of that. And so that's just all all part of the process of getting better.
0: Yeah, I guess as full disclosure, I should I should tell people that that's, Iowa State is where I went to school coming out of high school. So um, I do know what that was like to be around that, and like you said, I mean, I don't know how it is now, but back then, like wrestling was on Iowa Public TV. The high school wrestling was on the highlights at, you know, six and ten o'clock on the local news, and you know, from coming. You we you were you were teasing me this morning about calling from St. Louis and a place that sounded like a cowboy bar. You know, we don't we don't have things like that here, so it's definitely a different culture, and and you know, I think something that you know, obviously, I fell in love with, and I think a lot of people could.
1: Well, it's a wrestling uh, state, and it's a wrestling university, and uh, you can't go anywhere, um, you can't go anywhere, especially, you know, just, uh, you know, it's obvious, obviously as we had a good uh, performance, we didn't win, but we had a pretty good performance in Iowa City, and um, between my staff and I, um, I don't know if we can, you know, even go to, to the local restaurant, and with not somebody making a comment about that, you know, from everything from, you know, good job to man, we should have beat them, uh, <laughs> that's just how, you know, good or bad, we're going to hear about it.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to circle back to the meeting, Gomez, for sure. So once you got those guys, you know, you you kept the guys you kept, the guys that left the left, and you start recruiting the guys you want. Obviously, you have history on your side there, but it's kind of like a program like Oklahoma University, where when you got there was a it's a far cry from the heyday at Iowa State. What were some of the initial challenges in that process?
1: Well you know to be repetitive uh getting the team uh, on our side was was priority one and getting to know them Um, and then obviously recruiting uh, was a close second Uh, but getting getting a relationship with with our team was number one um, because ultimately that was the product we were going to put out there Right. Uh, right there you know we had to put it out there quick um and then going out and finding the kind of guys that the the same kind of guys that I went out and found, or we went out and found at Virginia Tech, you know, guys that we felt really liked wrestling, that could, that wanted to be national champs, that wanted to get a great degree, that wanted to uh, be difference makers uh, at at our institution. And so that was really kind of one and two. And then obviously with the, with the regional training center concept, we had to have a business model approach to to getting getting those resources to be competitive at the highest level because if you don't have a boom in RTC, it's just really, really hard to win. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's nearly impossible to be, a, I think, a top-five program anymore if you don't have a thriving RTC.
0: Yeah, you said two things that are specifically interesting to me. You know, first, like the RTC thing, I definitely – I was wrong about this. When these first came out, I thought the colleges were going to drive the RTCs. And I think in hindsight we're seeing, like you're saying, that the RTCs are driving the colleges, the opportunities that those provide guys, and the additional coaching level, and the ability to recruit to a situation where you say, look, if you want to compete postgraduate wise, you know, we have a situation here for you that's, you know, we can help you financially, we have good coaching, you know, we can get you the right tournaments, if necessary, we can bring in or get you out to the right training partner. So I really wasn't thinking about asking you this, but what is, what is your position and opinion about RTCs?
1: Oh, I think they're very valuable. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think the NCA is, is, and I, don't know, I don't know if I can get in trouble for saying this. Not, but I think the NCA is doing a really poor job of, uh, of managing, managing them because it's completely the wild, wild, wild west. And, uh, and some of the stuff that's going on at the RTCs that either has been deemed legal by the NCA or they're not really paying any attention to um, are significant. I mean, crazy significant. And I, I'm not even going to be the guy that's going to go into details, but some of the stuff that's that the art, you know, that that the that programs are using in the RTC is. I'm not saying the crutch, but the reason why they're doing it is. Um, is completely different than any sport out there. And it's completely – wrestling has its own rule book in the NCAA. I mean, there's every other sport, and then there's wrestling's rule book. And uh, it's it's helped uh, our pro, it's helped us at the international level. And I'm very much a proponent of, of RTCs. Um, I just think that until – you know, I, I think there's going to be a time and a point that if the NCAA doesn't – I just don't want it to get to the time and point where the NCAA – doesn't step in and put at least a small rule book in place because it's it's just going to get crazy and i think i think uh i think it's going to be detrimental to our sport and so you know i I probably get some people out there throw me under the bus thinking that i'm not a proponent of I really am but not at the cost of other programs i'm not a proponent of if it's gonna if it's gonna hurt other programs because you know, I just don't want it to get to the point someday where there's some of our smaller colleges and not not major Division I programs. You know, the ADs just throw their hands up and say, "Wow, this is so crazy that we just can't compete with this." in um, and, and you know, so why should we keep it? Keep the program around? Now, I don't think we're there yet, but I don't. I think if the NCA doesn't get in and start uh, putting some rules in place, I think that that's that's what what scares me. Um, but. I think it's been very, very good. It's nice to be able to give our postgraduate guys, and that's really what we're excited about most at Iowa State, is as we the Austin Gomez's and the David Carr's and the World Graduate, we can pay them and we can keep them around and we can train them, and now there's life after college wrestling. Right. I think that's exciting.
0: Yeah, well, if you could add or implement a rule or two for RTCs, what would those be?
1: Uh, I'm not even going to go down there because there's just so much <laughs> crazy stuff going on right now that it's just. I mean, there's people. Uh, it's just, it's the wild, wild west, and so I'm, I'm not even going right. to. If you started, if you started asking me about all the things that I think that needs to be implemented, this would be a four-hour show.
0: I got you. Uh, I know you got to bug out of here in about 20, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep it yeah. moving. Um Nate Carr was one of my heroes growing up. My dad did his postgraduate work at Iowa State. You know, Nate was a three-time national champion, Olympic medalist, and really a cyclone legend. You know, what has he brought to your program, you know, in terms of technique, energy? I got a chance to talk to him at Lindenwood. You know, when I think of Nate, I think of the term wisdom. And, you know, he's a cyclone, and you guys are obviously, you know, you and St. John and Metcalf are Hawks. You know, what has he brought to your guys' program overall?
1: Well, obviously, just being who he is, uh, you know, speaking of a guy that can't go anywhere in Ames, and everybody remembers <laughs> Nate Cobb. That's that's you know, you can't go anywhere you take Nate with you to lunch, and somebody comes up and remembers a story about this dual meet. And so, uh, and number one thing that Nate and the reason I want to hire him is is we have to we have to let's face it, the RTCs. Uh, you have to have budget, and the bigger budget you have, the more guys you can bring in and, and be in your program. And so. Um, my approach was, is is bringing a great uh, staff in to raise funds and to support the RTC. And then we get the athletes in there. So I just felt felt like we had to have that infrastructure. So, you know, Nate spends a lot of time uh, meeting with donors, speaking to groups. Just, I think, Monday, he spoke to Fairway Grocery Stores. is a huge uh, chain in the Midwest, and especially an Iowa-based company. And, you know, he spoke at their corporate lunch uh, on Monday. And, uh, probably had thirty or forty people there. He does a lot of that going out and speaking to groups, um, just spreading the word uh, obviously talking about Iowa State wrestling getting people back in Hilton coliseum um, and then there's a fundraising component to to that, so he goes out and has you know some individual lunches with various um, potential donors or current donors in our program and so he's just a guy I mean, obviously he's got great great uh personal skills and and he can get up and and, and give it to him straight. Uh, so, and then it's nice to have an extra set of eyes in the in the room for a guy that's just so much so accomplished as a wrestler and a coach. So, uh, he's able to parentiate rules to go coach our red shirts at open events, which we as coaching staff are not allowed to do. Right. So he can you know he can take off and drive to the UNI open and coach you know not only his son who's a red shirt freshman, but all the rest of the red shirts um, and unattached guys. So. He provides a lot, to uh, he, he wears a lot of hats right now. We got Nate working a lot right now.
0: Yeah, I was actually sitting next to Saint John talking to him while Nate was cornering David, I think, in the semis of Windewood, so yeah. I mean, that's a pretty cool setup to, you know, be a red shirt or a you know, a gray shirt or just a non starter or whatever and and be able to have a guy like that in your corner. So Yep. I kinda wanna jump jump to Austin Gomez. Uh, I had a chance to couple things I, I met his dad at the first agony in Ames you know we coached a couple guys up there I talked to Austin and he couldn't do it but he was really kind about my charity event Missouri border brawl and I had a chance to coach against him this summer in Las Vegas and I was I was really impressed you know obviously like he was big credentials but really overly impressed I think by his poise and his maturity, you know, ability to not get rattled and stay focused in big moments. And to me, and I've, I've never heard you necessarily say this, but he seems to me like the poster boy for the guys that stayed. You know, he and his family, they believed in you, your staff, your guys' vision. You know, if, if I'm overemphasizing this, please tell me, but, you know, what does Gomez mean to you and to Iowa State?
1: Well, Austin is very poised. He's uh, very... Uh, you know, he's, a he's. I, I always say the really good guys are like professional athletes, the professional athletes that treat their sport as, as their life. Um, he's very disciplined, um, very disciplined. Um, he understands wrestling really well. Um, and probably the thing that's most exciting to me is that I've just seen over time he's kind of become more of a sponge. Um, and, you know, if we say, hey, we, here's what we need to do outside of the room, Austin's not only doing it, but he's kind of preaching it back to everybody else. Not kind of in your face, but just, you know, he'll mention something in an interview that, you know, we say in practice that we're trying to get our team to buy in culture, culture-wise. culture uh, So he does that. Um, he's just, uh, you know, he likes the big show, the, you know, and I think that's just something that almost is God-given. Like, you know, the bigger the match, the more, you know, when we drew 141 in the Iowa Duel, he came up to me after. He goes, Coach, you guys couldn't have drawn a better, a more perfect. He goes, I wanted to be last. You know, it's kind of like the <laughs> guy that wants to, you know. it's he wants the,
0: to back clean what, up, yeah. What, what, what
1: made Michael Jordan great, Michael Jordan always wanted the ball with 15 seconds to go in the game when it was tied. He always wanted the ball. And there's not a lot of guys out there like that. Um, they might say they're out there, but actually like that. That are like that, and then when they get the ball, they make the shot most of the time. Right. Austin. Austin's going to make a lot of shots in college. You know, you don't make all of them, but you to make a lot of shots because he's the guy, kind of guy that wants the ball at the end.
0: Yeah. To me, you know, we used to always call them T-shirt guys and singlet guys. You know, like there were some guys that were amazing in practice. You know, really good Monday yeah. through Friday, and then Saturday, you put a big light on them, and they shrink. And there's other guys that. You know don't look great in practice but you know you find the biggest brightest light turn the lights down everywhere else and like you said your money's on on that guy he's your Michael Jordan and you know obviously we all know sort of where the duel stood at the time and to me you know most like you said wrestling's an individual and a team sport a lot of guys are like look if I win my match I did my job I mean I heard Kyle Dake say that a lot in college and hard to go against that when you win four national titles for your team you know Gomez to me it took a lot of courage I know he's good in that position but to to go for a, a big time move like a lateral drop you know in a tied match it's not like you're winning by four and you're trying to get to bonus I mean to you, you know obviously you've been around the kid a long time but that was maybe the biggest moment aside from the freestyle stuff where he's represented you guys you know when you reflected on that what did Maybe what different insights or maybe different appreciation did you have for him after that? He's so
1: early in his career that uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, he's probably not touched one tenth or 12th of his, of his folk style career at Iowa State. So just the fact that he went out there, you know, in what is basically his first big college dual meet when he's going to have a lot of big college dual meets. But in his first big college dual meet, uh, you know, he was watching the scoreboard. He knew what he had to do. He even had a conversation. You know, I think Coach St. John said before he went out there to him, you know, let's just go win this. You know, let's focus on winning the match. And and uh, I'm not sure exactly what the words that were said back to him. But um, it was in the vein that, you know, I'm going to go pin him. <laughs> and uh, that's, the, you know, for for his for freshmen to say that going out uh, in his first basically his second dual meet in his college career. His first one was Southern Illinois and his second dual meet at Carver Hawkeye Arena against the top 10 kid in the nation. Yeah, um, just, that's that's something, that's a good story.
0: Yeah, you know, you and I talked a little bit off air about him and he has no fear. You know, he, or, You know, maybe it's not no fear, but, you know, he deals with fear very well. So... Now, obviously, we're talking about, you know, to me, what the biggest dual meet of the year has been so far, which was the 1918 dual meet you had with with Iowa cover Hawkeye, and you lost the meet. So I know better than to ask you if you're happy with the loss. But what I am interested in knowing is, you know, now that you've, you know, had some time to put that meet in perspective, how do you see it?
1: Well, first off, like you said, we didn't uh, go there to lose. Right. Um, I think that was evident by our effort. And so with that said, is when you lose that close that there's a little more sting and pain to it. Uh, So uh, we're just very disappointed that we didn't win that because, you know, we go to win and, uh, but from an effort standpoint, uh, that's the number one thing that I've always preached as a coach. And we preach as a staff now, and is, is we, we just, we want to come, when you come off the mat, we want to shake your hand for your effort first. And uh, we could do that across the board. I felt like we could do that up and down the lineup and, that's what we got to keep doing.
0: So, I mean, I, you know, it felt to me like your guys won a lot of close matches and that feels like, I mean, you can do match simulations, you create hypotheticals and practice in the practice room and things like that, but it's to me it's very difficult to do that, you know, except just getting guys in meets like that. So, overall were you pretty happy? I mean, obviously nobody is 10 for 10, but overall were you pretty happy with how those guys performed? Obviously, you've had a lot of experience in Carver-Hawkeye, both as an athlete and as a coach. You know, did those guys, you know, perform to the level you expected, overperform? How did you see that?
1: No, I think we performed, you know, we, we were very calculated in our, our training and our approach to that match. You know, I think it probably did help that, you know, you got three guys in there running the show every day that all, all wrestled in Carver-Hawkeye Arena, St. John Metcalf, Dresser. We all wrestled there. We all knew we told them exactly what to expect from the um, from the the good and the bad, from the <laughs> the noise to the vulgarity that we were going to uh, we were going to hear. Our ears were going to hear. So I think by the time we had went through that uh, daily with our guys for you know a week and a half, um, I think I think they got the point, and I think they kind of to the point that they were almost excited about it and expecting it. And so the first time they heard somebody scream at them or call them a name, they were.
0: They smiled. They, they set off of it
1: a little bit, I think. So, um, you know, it's just, it was really good, uh, good to see him get after it. Uh, and, that, and that's what we enjoyed. You know, we wanted to, we, we want to have an entertaining product out there. And, and and I talk about that a lot is, you know, people are paying money to come watch you guys wrestle. Um, you're an entertainer. Go entertain. Let's have some fun.
0: Right, right, right. So, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of years ago, the oranges commented and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like as a result of this duel, do you feel like the the rivalry with Iowa is back?
1: Oh, I think so. I think if you want to buy a ticket next year, I think they'll they'll sell good for next year in Hilton. So I think uh, uh, you know they might not want to admit that it's back. But if anybody was you know watching on TV or Flo or sitting in in Carver, I think that uh, that was pretty entertaining. Couldn't 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 get much closer. Right. A lot of them. You know, there's you know. We knew we weren't going to get uh, calls. Uh, you don't get calls when you're on the road, and a couple calls we could have got, but we didn't get them. And if we would have got them, it would have been a different. So I'm not whining or complaining. I'm just saying that uh, it was it was a close duel meet.
0: For sure. And I, this is kind of just a nerd question for me, but if Gomez had majored, do you know what the criteria would have been? Because you guys each would have had, you know, it would have been 1919. You know,
1: I don't know. I think if it comes down to wins, I think it was five wins. It might come down to pins, and I think they had a pin and we had a default, so I'm not sure which one trumps the other. So I really didn't look that far into it. You know, um, I, I don't know. It might
0: have even came down to match points at that point. Yeah, it would have
1: probably went down the list because there was a lot of there was, it was just close. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I I, I got to talk to St. John a couple times this summer, and you know what kind of struck me. Well, first of all, I think he's a really, from what I can tell, he's a really good coach and gets along with the kids great, but one of the things I thought about was his level of success, your level of success, Metcalf's level of success, and how you guys had to deal with, frankly, just losing last year, and, you know, I mean, I don't think you guys are used to even 1918 being something that they're, you know, you guys aren't, your careers aren't built on moral victories, so you know, did that wear on you guys? And now that you're starting starting to turn the corner, you know, is it – I mean, I'm, I guess is it just more fun coming to practice now that you have higher expectations?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think it's just more fun this year. Um, and hopefully I prepped them. I just – they probably had never been part of a turnaround. I've been a part of three turnarounds. This is my third third one. So I remember, you know, when I went to Christiansburg High School – getting the living you know what beat out of us for two years (laughs) and then at Virginia tech for at least two years. And so I said, this is going to be a bumpy, bumpy, bumpy year. And um, you know, we're going to have some bumps this year yet individually, and we're going to have some bumps in the team, but um, I I know it's going to be less. And, you know, just the start that we've had, it was much, much more fun than um, our first month this year was a lot more fun than our first month last year. So you know, we were in survival mode. We were swimming upstream hard all year last year just to stay, stay, stay above water. And It's, it's, it's going to be more fun as we go along.
0: What's it been like to have a guy like Willie Mick transfer transferring, you know, a guy who's a three-time All-American. Obviously, your coaching staffs had a ton of success, but, you know, more of a, you know, a compatriot of those guys, a peer, a guy who's, you know, gotten on the podium. What has he meant both in terms of lineup and then, you know, in, in leadership?
1: Great great kid number one um leader quiet leader most of the time sometimes a verbal leader keeps things really light uh has worked really hard um i think he's really been impressed with uh our trainer Tim wiesner especially and how he's got his body feeling as good as a 25 year old body can feel Mm-hmm. I think he's probably in shock in terms of how good he feels. Yeah, that's a credit to Tim Wiesner and and just the amount of detail that he puts into our athletes. And Willie's having a lot of fun right now, and um, I'm excited. You know, I'm always excited to see him. Every day he comes to practice, I'm excited to see him. He's just got a smile on his face all the time. He works hard. Um, he knows so he's got a lot of tricks. so He's a fun guy to watch wrestle, and um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun fun year for us with him
0: right yeah i mean obviously i'm pretty familiar with him being in missouri but yeah he's always he's always seemed to perform his best in march which is again to me he's a singlet guy not a t-shirt guy so um what are your goals for this year's team like do you have tangible goals like a top 20 finish x amount of all americans or is it really more like about the art of improvement and making yeah
1: yeah i think right now it's just about seeing how far we can progress uh you know maybe when we get to mid January I'll be able to um and we've got some team goals that are kind of probably just team goals that we keep within the team and the staff that are tightly held but as far as you know any goals that uh, that have uh, measure placings and stuff like that probably when I get to mid January kind of looking at the competition late January early February you know, we can kind of see where we stack up and say, hey, let's go for you know this, let's go for that. Um, but right now it's just getting better and, and getting ready to go and understanding the biggest match of the year, our very biggest match of the year is Sunday. And that's all we care about. Yeah, you know, we, Ohio University is more important than the Iowa Duel. Um, so it, it's because it's in front of us. We just, you got to take it, take what's in front of you.
0: Yeah, I think that's a hard thing. I think when you get older, you get better perspective on that. I would think, you know, with kids, you know, when I coached, it was always like, well, you know, it's like in a tournament. Well, if I win this round, then I got this guy. And it's like, you lose to that guy and you're going the wrong direction in the bracket. You're going left instead of right. You know, so let's just focus on this match in front of us and win in the first scramble. Have have your kids, you know, kind of gotten better at that? Because I think that's sort of a problem every team has with young guys.
1: Ask me at seven thirty on Sunday night, right? And I'll tell you if we've figured it out, okay. So I'm really curious to see I'm curious to see emotionally how we rebound from Iowa because emotionally we were ready to go. Um, you know, I know wrestling wise these guys can wrestle. But you know, the best wrestler doesn't always win. It's the guy that I think's the most, you know, physically and mentally prepared and so if we're mentally prepared, um, I know we're physically prepared or are prepared. I know we're physically prepared. If we're mentally prepared for Sunday, then um, you know we'll start to see that consistency word that's so important in any sport. But uh, that will give me a good test of where this team is. Uh, you know, after after a rebound high, is can we can we come into that and be good Sunday night?
0: Well, that's a that's a good way of putting it. So um, I'm getting better at these interviews, Coach, because I've got a minute and a half left till I know you have to jump good. off. So um, you know, kind of got a good jumping off point. Uh, is there anything else you want to, you know, we get a lot of, we have good num, good listenership and we have a lot of, you know, high school kids and coaches that listen to you. Is there any, you know, nugget of wisdom or anything you'd like to pass along about Iowa State or the program or anything like that before I let you jump off?
1: No, I think you covered it. I think you got all the wisdom you could out of me in one one 30 minute segment.
0: I know, that's not true. <laughs> I always look forward to talking to you guys and, uh, you know, you're very kind to us here at track with and generous with your time, so I really appreciate it. You know, please give uh, my best to to Derek and to Brent, and I wish you guys the best of luck the rest of the year, okay? All right.
1: Thank you for your support.
0: Oh, most definitely. So, ladies and gentlemen from Iowa State University, that was head coach Kevin Dresser. This is David Nurkatani with Matt Chat. We'll speak to you all soon.